Welcome to our podcast on contemporary African culture, brought to you by the Culture Enthusiasts. I'm Christine, and joining me are fellow enthusiasts Jesus, Melissa, and Shingai. In this episode, we'll be taking a look at African architecture, a less discussed and oftentimes completely overlooked aspect of culture. But first, why is culture important? Good question. Well, our culture, our traditions, our language are the foundations upon which we build our identity. I agree. Culture can be expressed through art, music, cuisine, architecture, and all types of mediums. But when we speak of African culture, we have to be careful not to treat Africa as a country and group all African culture into one box. There is so much diversity among the continent's 54 recognized countries, with each nation having its own ethnic groups, with their own customs, languages, and ideas. I totally agree with you, Melissa. I totally agree. Indeed, these countries are so diverse and populated that it is impossible for any individual to know each and every aspect of their culture and the community they identify with. In fact, Benedict Anderson, a political scientist and historian, noticed this and wrote a book on what he called Imagine Communities. Anderson brought to attention how people identified with a specific community though they didn't necessarily know every community member. Nevertheless, they all felt strong ties to each other and what was associated with their community. Their imagined community was also the source of their beliefs, cultural practices and social behaviors. On the other hand, each African nation and their communities have been influenced in the same way by colonization, nationalism and modernity. And because of how the media tends to depict the continent, Many stereotypes make it seem as if African societies are only synonymous with poverty, famine, and corruption. And that paints a false picture about Africans and their cultures. To many people who've never traveled the continent altogether. I would argue that, in reality, you find cultures as unique, brilliant, and rich on the continent as you'd find in any other region in the world. In fact, embedded within African culture are many examples of resilience, richness, celebration, and achievement too. I couldn't agree more, Shanghai. Architecture is a brilliant example that embodies all of these elements. It represents a culmination of the society's political and cultural forces in a tangible form. Architecture is a product of the culture that it was designed for, and particularly contemporary African architecture is defined by its use of local materials and historical rootedness. We can see examples of contemporary African architecture in all sorts of spaces around us, ranging from sustainable rural developments to luxury apartments and offices, from schools and hospitals to swanky safari lodges, and from huge infrastructure projects to makeshift improvisations. Wow, such an interesting lens we're looking through. For those of you who have never paid attention to the details of ancient African architecture, allow me to shed a little light with a quick history lesson. Our aim is to really have you, our listeners, take away how contemporary African culture, as illustrated using architecture, has evolved and is currently a mixed form of traditional African architecture and foreign architectural styles because of globalization. The characteristics of African architecture as an aspect of identity and history are shown through the architectural styles used across Africa, with different structures created for different purposes and many built with the resources available to the individuals and communities that have lived in them or used them. Thank you, Melissa. I actually have an example of an architectural structure that encapsulates what you're saying. Rising up from the desert just south of Cairo, we have the Grand 
ancient pyramids of Egypt. These were built out of polished, fine limestone, which was an easy material to extract as stone cutters did so by following the natural layers of the stone. Fun fact! When they were first built, the pyramids resembled brilliant white light forms that reflected the sun, rather than the more plain dust-colored structures we know of today. Most were essentially tombs to protect the body of a deceased pharaoh, hence their magnificent height and need to be built to withstand the elements and the ends of time. There are quite some interesting theories surrounding why the pyramids were built in such a way. One of them being that the pyramid had sloping sides so that the dead pharaoh could symbolically climb up to the sky and live forever. And the other being that the pyramid was built that way to represent the rays of the sun. I quite like both of those theories, Christine. Now we could also look at Swahili buildings and the history behind Swahili culture in general in regard to its influence across the continent. Swahili as a language was a fusion of Arabic and Bantu language and was spread over thousands of years as a blend of different cultures by the Arabs who traded along the East African coast and settled at various seaports. With all the relocation caused by trade and the overall blending of cultures along the rim of the Indian Ocean, this eventually resulted in Swahili architecture being born as an expression of different worlds colliding and the history behind this. The architecture itself borrows greatly from Arabian and Persian architecture with its touches of large arched windows, high ceilings, and spacious courtyards. The interiors of most Swahili homes are also often decorated with intricate carved designs into woodwork. These homes are primarily built of stone and white coral, and this combined with the overall airy design of the architecture is for the sole purpose of keeping the locals cool in the day and night of the coastal heat. You know, traditional building materials in African homes have typically been a reflection of the environment and resources available in a particular region. The most common materials used included stone, grass, clay, or even wood. Meanwhile, there are other factors that have also influenced the building structure of traditional African architecture. Utility and climate are two such characteristics. For example, some nomadic groups in Africa built light-framed shelters of sticks and saplings covered with grass because they were easy to break down once they migrated. Other hunter-gatherers, such as the Hadza people of Tanzania, live in domed homes of tied-up branches, which are usually given a thick thatch in winter. And though different, they all have one thing in common, which is their ability to adapt their homes to fit their lifestyle, culture, and environment. Well, architecture is a form of national identity and built heritage meaning it is inevitably linked to the understanding of who holds power in a country. When the Westerners came to Africa, they brought their construction methods and materials like tabby material. Examples can be seen in West Africa with the modernist tropical architecture movement, which embodied environmental design and architectural technology within the tropical context. Daily transactional life amongst West Africans occurred outdoors and buildings serving primarily to protect them from adverse weather conditions like heavy rainfall. People would operate and work outside if it was too hot, they would sit by the shade for a cool breeze and continue with their daily activities. I, for example, visited my grandfather a few weeks ago in my rural village of Motoko. Guess where I found him? Sitting under the tree next to his house, peeling some groundnuts. Oh, very interesting. You can see that the need for cooling and environmental design was for the small formal western sector because the local architecture had adequate thermal insulation. By the late 1960s, 
It was a generic corporate design aesthetic that adopted the faceless banality of a glass facade and the ubiquitous air conditioning unit. African architecture and their way of life have been changed by colonialism as they, as they constructed buildings to work in rather than operating outdoors as usual. Wow. Colonial explorers, including administrators, brought European architectural forms to the coasts and urban areas of Africa, and it's echoed in both nationalist architecture and urban planning. The Portuguese, for example, brought medieval European fortress architecture like coastal forts, castles, high towers, and thick masonry walls with gun turrets and large storage spaces. In Fez, Casablanca, Dakar, Cairo, and Abidjan, the home environment of France was recreated in urban architecture, evidenced in the broad Parisian-style boulevards and their diagonal intersections that can be seen in many African urban centers. Hmm, okay. But meanwhile, there's a more recent force that has taken stage and is gradually replacing the influence of former colonial powers in African architecture. This force is globalization. That's right. Globalization has been an inevitable driving force that is connecting the world into one single economy. It has ensured the interconnectedness of lives by increasingly shaping events and decisions that are made from a great distance, that is, one part of the world to another. The effects of this economic globalization also led to what Giddens in his British Wraith lecture called cultural globalization. Countries which have opened economies encouraging non-Western foreign direct investments have seen a gradual reduction of the prevalence of architectural structures that were pioneered by former colonial powers. True, true, true. This has led to an increase in offices, plants and buildings constructed by foreign investors like the Chinese government. They funded the construction of the headquarters of the African Union in Addis Ababa. This is a clear illustration of how countries are strongly influencing each other through international economic ties. Social media should not be ignored. It has also played a role in diluting countries' individuality and encouraged changes that are driven by mass cultures through the most popular trends. Hmm. I agree with you, Shanghai. Globalization is not only influencing countries economically, but also culturally. However, as Manuel Castells, a prominent scholar on globalization, argues, as much as there are external influences on culture, including African architecture, local people have attempted to prevent such forces from totally alienating their forms of expressing culture. They have demonstrated agency by using different means to preserve their cultural identities. On the other hand, I must say, in an attempt to create their own cultural products, in this case, architectural structures, some Africans have decided to merge their traditional elements with foreign styles to achieve the goal of their product. In this case, a sustainable architectural structure that is appropriate for the environment's climate. As cited in Selamta magazine in 2013, Pierre Gudiabi Atepa, the former president of the Association of Architects of Senegal says, I do not want to bring Africa into modernity, but rather to use modernity with what is profoundly African in order to create a kind of symbiosis or metisage in architecture. Atepa's words succinctly encapsulate the mindset of different Africans in creating modern architecture. Some examples of African architecture that illustrate this newness include the Layoun Technology School, which is founded at Agadir's Ibn Zahir University. The buildings have different rooms, including workshops, labs, and an amphitheater, which have a modernist ochre box-like appearance. 
These structures were designed by local Moroccan architects Saad El-Kabaj, Riskatani, and Mohamed Amin Siana using an architectural style that facilitates natural ventilation. The buildings also have double-skinned facades and brusole to maintain a cool temperature within their interior. These features highlight the importance of architectural forms that are climate-relevant and environmentally sustainable. This building is an excellent example of contemporary African architecture, showing the blend between traditional African architecture and modern non-African architecture used to achieve a climate-friendly and sustainable design. Another stunning architectural work that portrays a mixture of modernity and traditional architectural styles is the Dalton House of Contemporary African Architecture, which was designed by the Spanish architect Alberto Morel Sixto. It is aesthetically positioned near the cliff face on the Kenyan coastline. It has a very broad staircase up to 9.9 meters, which leads people up to a height of two stories, giving them a vantage view of the Indian Ocean with a mangrove forest at the rear. What a wonderful sight. Dalton House was built using locally sourced materials such as coral stone from the sea and was built with the help of local artisans. The use of coral stone in constructing Dalton House shows the use of local materials in creating homes, just as it was done in the past. In addition, the Lidata Mercato, a shopping center found in Addis Ababa, was designed by Valencia-based architect Javier Villalta. The building has a foreign-like facade of lightweight precast concrete. The Lidata Mercato was created as a contemporary take on the city's open-air market, the largest in Africa. The design style of the building's body and interior atrium gives the structure's interior ventilated air and balanced illumination, and its fractal pattern pierced across its white surface is inspired by traditional Ethiopian fabrics. Similar to the previous architectural work, the Ledeta Mercato is also designed by a Spanish architect. Thus, one could argue that the positionality of the architect could influence his approach to achieving the project's design goal. He might incorporate design elements that are non-African. Villalta's use of lightweight precast concrete confirms this. Thus, this architectural work does embody both African and non-African elements. As you can see illustrated in the architectural works we've discussed, contemporary African architecture has undergone a metamorphosis, shaped by different forces, especially colonialism, globalization, and modernity. It's important to note that the objective of creating this architectural structure remains the same, to realize a climate-relevant and sustainable design that adapts to the culture. Wow, we hope we're not losing you. I'm just going to sum it up. African architecture illuminates how contemporary African culture continues to maintain traditional elements, though it has evolved to include aspects of the various cultural influences that have shaped its form over the past years. However, this begs the question, is contemporary African culture really African? That is, at its core, is it being driven by Africans or has it become diluted, losing its originality by its growing resemblance to non-African, especially the Western, cultures? To answer this question is very important, as the response would shed light on the current state of African culture, foreign or original. As for us, our answer is based on the different texts and content discussed in this podcast. Based on aforementioned evidence that shows the intentionality of Africans to achieve a goal using their traditional means, while also embracing foreign methods, we would argue that contemporary African culture at its core 
is still African and would remain so if it continues evolving on this trajectory. I couldn't agree more. Nonetheless, our main thesis stands. As shown through the lens of modern African architecture, contemporary African culture is a rich form undergoing a number of influences, local and foreign, and becoming an eccentric shape, one that blends African and non-African elements to achieve the goals of its people. Though it has been exposed to foreign influence, the underlying factors that drive the culture are goals made by Africans. Essentially, what we're saying is, at the core of contemporary African culture, it is vastly African. There's more than meets the eye in contemporary African culture. It's definitely not an inferior culture as some imagine it to be. With that being said, thank you for listening to our podcast and feel free to let us know what you think of African culture. Is it diluted, unoriginal, or truly just African? We hope you learned something new by looking at contemporary African culture through the lens of architecture. Till next time, your African culture enthusiasts, Christine, Jesus, Melissa, and Shanghai.